0: all right it is friday i do indeed love me some friday you know that though this is nothing new to you i, I you know how, how i feel about friday the gs plumbing talk line is one 800 905 the common sense retirement planning text line is 71307 i am streaming live on the word facebook page And the podcast, in addition to the Lock and Load podcast and the Gun Owners News Hour podcast, all of that available to you for free on the free Odyssey app. I don't know how, I don't know any other, I'm doing as much as I can to get the stuff out for you. Now, in the past, there's been this thing, okay, there's been this thing in the past where... Uh, you know, physicians would look at things and they would look at look at drugs that were synthesized and, and concocted to 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 battle something. And probably the most notorious of these drugs that has been repurposed would be Viagra. Viagra was originally synthesized to treat hypertension and angina, which is a cardiovascular disease. But they found a side effect that everybody seemed to like. Well, some some dudes. Right. And nobody ever got out there and said, no, you can't do it. Because there's a reason behind that. And that has now been precedently adjudicated. Because the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit has told the FDA that they overstepped their statutory authority by attempting to ban using ivermectin to treat COVID-19. In Apter versus Department of Health and Human Services, they concluded, FDA is not a physician. It has authority to inform, announce, and apprise, but not to endorse, denounce, or advise. Now, they began their opinion by citing the strident nature of their opposition to ivermectin as a COVID-19 treatment. Because they use the horse analogy. You are not a horse. And that's how they alerted millions of Americans via social media midway through the COVID-19 pandemic. The agency had discerned that some people were treating their symptoms using the animal version of a drug called ivermectin. So FDA decided to target the practice via the horse message and others like it. And the messaging traveled widely across across, uh, legacy and online media. But ivermectin also comes in a human version, and while the human version of ivermectin is not FDA-approved to treat the coronavirus, some people were using it off-label for that purpose. That's the term, off-label. A lot of drugs are off-label. Three doctors, doctors Apter, Bowden, and Merrick, um, they treated people with ivermectin. They, uh, uh, Apter and Bowden, claim to have treated or consulted more than 9,000 COVID-19 patients, with each experiencing a 99% survival rate, despite regularly prescribing them ivermectin off-label as a treatment. Now, under, under FDA regulations, any licensed physician may prescribe off-label any medication they've approved, even if they've not approved the medication for the illness for which the physician is writing the prescription. This is because, this is why they say practice medicine. Because every time they're doing something along the lines of treating people or research, what they're doing is they're making discoveries. Now in 96, we knew that Ivermectin was safe to treat humans for parasitic diseases. But then the FDA decided to come out with this campaign to demonize the use of ivermectin to treat COVID-19. And uh, at that point, a major Houston hospital system forced Tally Bowden to resign her privileges. After was referred to Physician Regulatory Boards of Arizona and Washington State for discipline, Merrick was forced to resign from his post at Eastern Virginia Medical School, where he was a medical professor and chief of pulmonary and critical care. Pharmacies across the nation quit filling prescriptions for ivermectin to treat COVID-19, based solely on the broadcast coming out of the FDA. Now, the Fifth Circuit's decision does not mean that the FDA now approves of ivermectin to treat COVID-19, but by ruling that Apter had standing to bring the case. When they got out there and said the FDA had overstepped their legislative authorization, that came out very loud and clear. They reversed the district court's ruling that FLCCC lacked standing to bring the case against the FDA, reminding the case back to the district court. Now, the director general of the World Health Organization is already warning that there are concerning trends for COVID-19 ahead of the winter season in the northern hemisphere including increased ICU admissions and hospitalization in Europe. The newest version is nicknamed Pyrola and has more than 30 amino acid changes to its spike protein compared to the next closest ancestor, the subvariant variant of um, uh, the BA2 sub of Omicron. But... A doctor has written, the government has lost my trust, and not just with regard to medicine. Climate change, the war in Ukraine, oil shortages, a banking collapse, whatever the new narrative is, I'm inclined to suspect is usually and mostly false. Willfully constructed, not for the common good, for for the good of those who control the institutions of society. So bad that I'm even now suspicious of the relentless refrain, 98% of climate change scientists agree that CO2 is the root cause of global warming. Do you know why? Because I heard the same consensus about ivermectin, HCQ, and the vaccines. Might be true. It may not be. I may have time to do my own research someday. I may not. Regardless, they blew it. I will never again believe a word they say without verifying it myself through exhaustive uh, investigation. I do not know what the benefit is of being associated with a big group when you are a doctor. I've had a doctor in the past that, I mean, I had a doctor that this dude, he used to get a hold of stuff that I would bring to him, whatever I'd bring to him. And he would investigate it like he was house, you know, like it was on TV. He would find stuff that was very, you know, rare and exotic. And then he he joined forces with one of the big two here in, in town. And all of that changed. I, w- I was sitting on his table a week before I had the big heart attack, and he noticed nothing going wrong with me because he wasn't looking. He didn't look. I, I find it I find it interesting how a doctor can I've, I've, seen, I've seen a doctor come in and just sit there and type and not even look at the patient. just type on them you know they're, they're very fast when they type. And uh, they roll around with a laptop all day long. The, the, the whole thing about touching and probing and take, you know measuring and all these other things that they do, they don't do it anymore, do they? I mean, some may. But, but to, to a certain degree, like my doctor I have now, I have a very good doctor. My doctor's good. My doctor's good. He listens to me, and then he investigates what I'm saying to see if that actually pans out. Because, after all, I may be, you know, my perception may be wrong about this. But it all boils down to this. Ivermectin was downplayed because there was a lot of money to be made off of this. This is just like, I mean, Fauci made a lot of money off of this. Big Pharma made a lot of money off of this. $90 billion in profits in their COVID-19 vaccines and medicines in 2021 and 2022. The NIH, the the one that uh, you know, that Fauci ran, or, or excuse me, he was the NIAID. He w- he was paid royalties from pharmaceutical companies between September two thousand nine and October twenty twenty. You think that it was about the Benjamins? And in the interim, how many people? How many people suffered today? How many people are going to suffer going forward? How many people are afraid and will take this vaccine again? I'm a lucky one. I took the vaccine and nothing happened. I'd already had it. Not going to do it again. When you burn that, when you burn that bridge, I'm not bringing the lumber to build it back. Uh To show you what most of these medical elites are wanting to do, let's look at what Canada plans to do with their uh, assisted death program that they have going on. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. who doesn't like swag you know we've got swag now you can go get it it's at a website called outlawstitching.com outlawstitching.com i've got my eye on the betsy ross shirt just because it's sort of set up like a combat shirt maybe a ball cap too you always need one of those when everything goes sideways you're going to want to be a t you're going to want a good t-shirt you're going to want a good head cover So you can go get all that right there, outlawstitching.com. That way we'll know how to find each other as we, uh, you know, as we coalesce into team hell no. (laughs) The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Here's the problem with euthanasia. Euthanasia in its in its pristine form where they're like, well, if they're suffering and they're if they're right mind and everything, and there's just no way they're ever going to get over this and everything, maybe we should help them and, and reduce the suffering and release them. Okay. You got my attention. I'm listening to you. However, the problem with this is that inevitably, a government is going to look at anything you do, anytime they put anything up there codified, and they're going to say, well, let's use it for this too. Just like drugs, they're going to repurpose it. Canada was not the first country to legalize medically assisted suicide, but now they have plans to legally euthanize the mentally ill. I don't even know if that's actually grammatically correct to say it that way. They're going to make it legal to do it. Let's put it that way. Now, how does someone who is not of their right mind come up to somebody and go, hi, what are you doing today? I'm having fun. Yeah, really? Okay. What? You think I might want to die? I haven't tried that. Let's do that too. Now, I don't know. I I know nothing about the inner workings of present-day psychiatry. But I'll, I'll guarantee you this is the most outrageous of any plan I've ever heard. Because now, now, the new thing is going to be, in Canada anyway, one way to treat the illness is to kill the person that has it. It may be that the treatment of mental patients may make them want to die. Psychiatry is probably the least scientific of the medical specialities, and they've always had a huge shortcoming, unlike the others. It is unmoored from the biological analysis of illness. There are no biological markers or anything out there. I'm sure I understand. All these things. Uh, There's no blood tests, no x-rays, no CAT scans, MRIs, or biopsies that mark the existence of mental illness and points to a particular biological pathogen that has caused it. But, despite this, the treatment of mental illness today is manifestly biological. What could be more biological than putting powerful chemicals into the human organism? Even as late as 1980, the use of medication comprised only about 50% of training of psychiatrists, the rest being in psychotherapy. And all psychiatric training today is about medicating. And with this chemical emphasis, one might be forgiven for thinking that psychiatrists today know everything there is to know about psychotropic drugs and what they're doing when they prescribe them. But unfortunately, that is not the case either. The most common type of antidepressant known is called the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, the SSRI. And by now, many people have heard about these because they are associated with a popular theory about what causes depression that is a chemical imbalance in the, ba- in the brain, an imbalance of serotonin. Now, we know that after decades of research, There's no scientific basis to support this idea that you can use these to fight depression. Thousands of people suffer from side effects of antidepressants, including the severe withdrawal effect that can occur when they try to stop them. And yet the prescription rates continue to rise, and we believe this situation has been driven partly by the false belief that depression is due to a chemical imbalance. Psychotropic drugs... Right when they when they're taken and then they stop, a lot of times they're going to uh, they're going to cause bad things to happen. The first psychotropic drug was introduced in the fifties, and it wasn't long before the red flags began to appear about their safety. The WHO, uh, they compared outcomes in both rich and poor countries where these drugs were used to treat schizophrenia. And the the findings of the report was that patients in poor countries where the drugs were limited did better than in rich countries with the the abundant resource. Schizophrenia is often said to be incurable, but in poor countries about five years, 64% 64% of patients with schizophrenia were functioning and normal, whereas in the rich countries, only 18% were doing as well because they had the drugs. In rich countries, 61% were being permanently maintained on antipsychotics because their illness was deemed to be chronic. In poor countries, only 16% used the drugs and then only inter- intermittently because their illnesses turned out to be you know, a one-off event or reappeared only episodically. And we ignored that here in the U.S. Right now, 92% of schizophrenics are permanently maintained on these antipsychotic drugs. The ones who did best on this were the patients in rural India. So you would be better off being diagnosed with schizophrenia there than, say, in Manhattan, because, uh, well, you know. You're starting a life, you're making a lifestyle change. So there's a lot of side effects from psychotropic drugs. They can shrink the brain, they can damage the heart, the kidneys, and other vital organs. They, it, your, your hormones, they wreak havoc on that, and it's going to shorten your life. And one side effect of antidepressants are, is suicidal thoughts. And another is mania because of this side effect. A depressed patient will often be re-diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Then they switch them to a whole new array of ineffective and harmful drugs. Most of mental illness, especially depression, is situational. It's triggered by the loss of a loved one, or unemployment, or failure in school. And others are episodic and self-resolving. In the end of, you know they learn to compensate and they function reasonably well. Childhood bipolar ADHD are arguably not really illnesses at all, but a developmental problem reflecting an immature central nervous system. Time will heal. If it's left alone. See that's the problem with some of this stuff. What we have is what we have today is we have a lot um <laughs> we have a lot of uh children that have that immature central nervous system. And then some teacher says they need to be medicated and then the parents listen and they get them medicated. And then we wake up one day and that that person either wants to be a girl or wants to go on a rampage killing spree or they kill themselves or something and then we're like, what happened? What happened? So this is the way of the euthanasia regime they're coming after people that we are creating we're creating them with drugs so caveat emptor let the buyer beware what do you think about a driverless car is that something you would want this is news talk 98.9 word very rarely do you see this in any state government and they got it right this time i gotta give them credit gs plumbing talk line is one 800 905 the common sense retirement planning text line is 71307 streaming live on the word facebook page if that's your cup of tea podcasts plural all available on the uh, free Odyssey app, Gun Owners News Hour, Lock and Load, and Straight Talk. All right there for you. So how often is it that a bill practically is unanimous in a state legislature? In California, in a fit of sanity, there's a bill out there to, to ban driverless trucks over 10,000 pounds. Cargo trucks usually weigh in at as much as eighty thousand pounds, and that's counting the vehicle, the cargo, the driver, fuel—you know, full tank of fuel. You know, so this covers everything for straight trucks to semi trailers and similar big rigs. This passed the state assembly in Sacramento back in May, sixty-nine to four. It passed the state senate on Monday with a vote of thirty-six to two. The public supports the ban there by a factor of three to one. And then we come to Gavin Cream Newsom. You know, this is a guy who wants to be president, and he's opposed to the ban. (laughs) He's opposed to it. He supports the driverless truck industry. Now, California is the home of at least two driverless vehicle manufacturers, and they are the global headquarters of Big Tech, and they're also the home of much of the support industry for this kind of technology, both the software and hardware alike. And politicians always love big business, they love the money, they like, to, they like the events, you know, they, they love it. And here we're trying to, you know, Gavin wants to say, well, you know, of course, California is just as business friendly as Florida. And he also will tell you that what little of experience that they've had with driverless vehicles has been successful. Because most vehicle crashes are caused by human error, driver error. So if you eliminate the driver, then that eliminates the error. And, you know, with transportation costing as much as it does right now, and that's the big reason a lot of your stuff is going up, because of how much it's costing to get it there, uh, taking the human and his salary out of that would that would lower the cost of transportation with a single stroke, wouldn't it? Would it lower the prices? I do You know, I don't know about that. A driver with a commercial driver's license, and I know this because I've had one in the past, uh, you are only allowed to drive so many hours, then you have to be off so many hours. And everybody, every, well, the company I worked for was always trying to find a way to get around that. And whoever is listening to this, it might have worked at that company. If you want to try to deny it, that's fine. You are a lying blind person. May not be that way now, but it was when I was in that position. Because it's about the money. And here's the thing. These driverless cars, well, they are actually the most modern of vehicles, which means they're battery-operated. So this would be something they can manage in a universe where the government is banning oil drilling and pipeline construction and refineries and everything else. So... Why would a politician oppose the driverless truck industry and support the ban, especially by such a lopsided percentage? Well, first of all, the testing they've actually done has been out in the middle of nowhere. You know? Uh, It's been out, you know, out in the middle of nothing. Californians have not been happy with the San Francisco driverless taxi experiment. These are vehicles that, uh, you know, they're following software so what's it like what's it going to be like in a congested place like san francisco if you introduce a 40 or 60 foot long vehicle if the taxis are not working out most of the tech uh, testing has been done on the open road the congested conditions will pose a very formidable challenge if not actually a danger time and why would they want and see here's the thing transportation is very big in california they're a big port So everything has to make it from, you know, the the coast through the state and out into Los Estados Unidos, right? Well, if you're going to put tens of thousands more vehicles on the roads that depend on the electric power grid, well, it's just basically going to kill it. It's going to kill the power grid, and then nothing's moving. They're already telling people that own Teslas and other EVs that they got to go without charging their car and go for days or weeks without driving because there's no power for them. It's Like there's no soup, and does it really make sense to encourage the onboarding of thousands of these trucks that are going to take gigantic ten, well, sixteen thousand pound batteries to run? How long is that going to take to charge? Legislators are reading the newspapers. They see the frequent reports on electric car fires. You know. They read about how Nikola has given up trying to repair their electric batteries in the field. They're recalling all affected electric trucks and asking owners to return them to the manufacturing plant while they look for a cure. These fires often can't be put out by the means brought by the firefighters. They just have to be allowed to burn themselves out. So now, so let's picture this. You got a 53-foot truck full of cargo burning on the shoulder of a busy California highway for three or four days because the fire can't be put out. And the carcass can't be moved until it cools. So you're basically blocking a highway for a longer period of time than you would normally see with maybe just the just stop oil people. Maybe they're thinking about how the nation employs millions of truck drivers. The reason today that we, and it, it, you know, I, I think probably a lot of people understand this, but they don't quite get it. When trucking stops, life begins to wobble. The uh, Randy Weingarten, you know, that uh, NEA leader, she wants to ban you as parents if you have children in school and you want to think. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Had to make an adjustment there. I, I turned something the wrong way, and then uh, I started getting bombarded by cacophonic forces. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 905 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. On the text line, Navy Vet here, lithium equals class delta fire. Class delta fires make their own oxygen as they combust. That's why you can't put them out even underwater. It's a splendid idea to six, take 16,000 pounds of those and stick them under a vehicle, isn't it? That's splendid. Anyway, let's go, let's go to Randy. Randy's, uh, Randy's always good for some laughs. Randy Weingarten says that parents don't and shouldn't have any rights over their own children while the kids are in school. Because parental rights and school choice is the same as those segregationists who don't want integrated schools. Which we're not even doing that anymore. When when I was in, in the seventies, we were doing that. I was bused to to a black neighborhood to to go to school there. I didn't really know that that was what was happening, so I just went to school and thoroughly enjoyed my. Dewey went to school with me there. Dewey's pawn shop. We went to school in a uh, you know we were bused into an area to integrate, and then they stopped. <laughs> They stopped. I I don't know why they did it in the first place, and I don't know why they stopped. You know. Weingarten is comparing this to the Uptown clans that opposed the end of racial segregation in the Supreme Court case Brown versus Board of Education. She said those are the same words you heard in terms of wanting segregation post Brown versus Board. The same words you hear today. So, here's the thing. Uh, You know, I don't have a kid in school. Thank God. Thank God. But according to this, parents are now segregationists. If I had a kid in school, I'd want two things for that child. The very best education they can get. I don't want any Zoom classes. I don't want any masks. I don't want any indoctrination. None of that. Just teach them. Teach them the very basics that they need to know and i want them to be safe while they're there that's it that's all and if that is not what uh you know if that's not what's in the offing then i'm i'm probably going to be looking around to see what i can do about it tim scott got out there and said i'm so sick and tired of leftists too many of them happen to be white crying racism every single time they're losing an argument I can't think of anything more actually racist than trapping poor black kids in the failing schools in these big blue cities dominated by a supermajority of radical progressives who are running the cities and destroying the schools. They're the ones with their teachers union standing in the doorway of the schoolhouse, trapping poor kids in it as if the house is on fire, but they won't let a single soul out. It's really frustrating. It's one of the reasons why I think we have no choice but to break the backs of these teachers unions. There's the problem. They're literally destroying the future of millions of kids. In these inner city areas, where, I mean, a lot of these schools, they, they lose control of these schools and they, they become like, uh, you know, just a, a place to attract the customers, right? For, for, for the various things that are being pushed by the uh, by the little cartels that are out there that we call the gangs. And yet most of these people that are doing this stuff that cry racist, they send their kids to private schools. So if they want to send their kid to a private school, there'll be a reason that they can get out of there and uh, say, um, you know, this is why I'm doing it. And it's OK. It's really the only way, you know, other than that, I'd be sending them to public school. OK, well, yeah. What, what's the difference between you and just a regular? Why, why would a parent be a racial segregationist? And, you know, one thing that I don't see the metrics of and I would love to see the metrics of this. How many of these parents that want to do this are black? Why can't black parents have the choice that they want? So she would rather, you know, gardens out there using SPLC, uh, you know, Southern Poverty Law Center talking points, um, you know, and she'd rather get out there and do that than get out there and talk about what they lost during the asinine COVID shutdowns, which the teachers never wanted to end. Now, in the beginning, she got out there and she said there was no learning loss. Now she's having to walk that back. And that's okay, because I'm a leftist. And everything that I did up to this point, I meant for the greater good. So you can't really hold me responsible for anything. In the, in, in the beginning, she said the Los Angeles Unified School District, which stayed close longer than any other school district in the country, did better than the schools in the, of, of the state of Florida. Oh, no, there's no learning loss. Of course there was there was a mental health crisis what COVID did whether schools were reopened or not because LA did better than Florida what COVID did was it created a huge loneliness and dislocation so the teachers unions don't want any accountability they don't want to be held responsible for their actions but these are their actions and Randy Weingarten, is, she's the tip of the spear. She's trying to vilify parents in hopes that they will shut up and stop making waves. And if you are a parent today and uh, you have a child in school, one, I, I really wish I knew a way to support you. I, w- I wish I knew a way to get behind you to help you out with that. Labeling a parent as a segregationist is just one of the many tactics they use. Coming up next, I, I reached out to somebody who sells gun safes. Because I got a few questions regarding the Liberty Safe Brouhaha. This is all for my edification. You are more than, I I invite you to come along with me as I edify myself. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.